Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's uh, lovely to see you all. I think, I think for at least four days, summer's arrived. I think in Melbourne, summer's arrived until maybe midweek again. <clears throat> but it's nice to have some warm weather uh, to come together this morning and to worship, worship the Lord. It's good to have you here. Welcome to you. Welcome if you're new. Welcome if you've been here for many, many years. It's great to have you here this morning. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on this morning and his word and that our hearts are open to listen to what he has to say to us. We trust the Lord this morning. We come here trusting what the Lord has to say and do. We don't come um, because we think somehow man is going to give us something but rather we're trusting in the Lord and what he wants to give us this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your presence that is in the midst of us this morning. We thank you that you love us, you care for us, and you are a good and faithful God. And we thank you, Lord, for those brothers and sisters who were baptized last week, and we pray that you continue to strengthen them and equip them and guard them and guide them in all things in life and fill them with your joy and your peace as they establish themselves on your word, on the rock of your word. And Father, as we open your word this morning, having worshipped you and praised you, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you have to say. So please, every single heart this morning, we pray, open it up, Lord, to receive the good work and the good word of the Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can you believe it's December? You know, you think, whoa, everything, you know, you sort of do all these things in life and all of a sudden, all the year and the December hits and it's like, all of a sudden, if you're like me, your mind starts thinking about all these things that have to happen before the end of the year. And it's one of those months of the year, like, I mean, I'm sure every other month's the same, but maybe we just think about it a bit more. It's one of those months of the year that if you're, if, if you're ever going to worry, <laughs> you know, people, it's this month of the year, people start to worry about all kinds of things. Uh, in preparation for what, what um, has, to, has to happen. But the Lord is good, even in this time, even in this time when uh, things are busy um, and things are expected of you, uh, the Lord is always good. And there's this beautiful verse in the Bible, before I share with you this passage from the Gospel of Luke, there's another verse in the Bible that says something like this, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. And it's a really lovely verse when you think about it. But what God, the generous, great, generous God that he is, he makes sure that when we put our trust in him, he gives us, he guarantees us those two things. He guarantees us the things that we need to live life because we need to live life and and, and the everyday things of life. And he gives us what we need to live godly. And it's a real picture of life because... Often this is what people do. People strive to live their lives. They strive to, to do life, family, work, uh, expectations, meet expectations. They, they strive to do life and then they strive to do better for themselves. You know, if you want to use a, a worldly phrase for godliness, they try and always better themselves. And this is like what life is. Life is a, this kind of wrestle between wanting to accomplish things in life and also, also trying to always make yourself a better person. But God, for the Christian, God is not calling us just to make ourselves better people. He says, I'm going to promise you, I'm going to promise you that you're going to be able to do life the way, you, the way life is meant to be done, and you're going to also live godly. You're going to be like my son. 
And he says, I give you all things that pertain to, to this, what is needed. And so we have these, all these thoughts that go through our minds, but we just got to pause for a moment and think, well, you know what? We serve a God who's promising to be so generous that when it comes to the things of life, he's, he's got it. And when it comes to the things of godliness, he's got it. And we don't need to fear that we're going to come short in being able to meet either one of those things because that's the God we serve. That's how generous he is. And so the passage we're going to read this morning is a passage where Jesus wants to remind us just how much we ought to remember his provision in everything in life. And I was thinking, you know, I don't often give a title to my sermons. I don't often title them in some ways. But if I was to give this one a title, I'd title it like this, Worrying About the Right Things. Okay? Worrying About the Right Things. Because there's a lot of things in life that we, are, we, are, we gravitate to worrying about. There are a lot of things, not just the season of December, but everything in life, whether they be you know, money situations or family situations or children's situations or relationship situations or, our, or our, um, our health or the long life that we want to live, whatever it might be, there are, there are a ton of things or our, our future and our careers and all, a ton of things that we are... Uh, uh, can be uh, drawn to worrying about and preoccupying ourselves with, sometimes for some people, to the point of illness. And my encouragement to you this morning, brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you this morning is to just to pause for a moment this morning as you reflect. And let's begin and let's make it our goal, let's make it our heart to worry about the right things. Let's worry about the right things. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And let's uh, have a read of Jesus when he is telling his own disciples not to be anxious and not to worry. Um, and we're going to read from verses 22 to verse 31. But I want to just draw your attention to how this passage doesn't sit in isolation. This passage sits straight after his, his reference to the, to the rich fool. And we'll draw on that as an example as well. We'll read a couple of verses from that um, as well. So just keep in mind, he's just told a story about a man who thought his life was set because he had so much in life that he could now take ease and rest in life. And God called him a fool. And so based on the back of that story that Jesus gives, he teaches us something very, very important here from verse 22. Uh, read it with me. He's, and it says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat, nor about the body and what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? 
If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Then consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven or the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, and nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Marvelous teaching of Christ. Coming from the lips of the Son of God who created us. Coming from the one who gave us breath. He watched you being formed in your mother's womb. He saw you created, and he saw that you were going to be brought into this life. And he knew all the challenges that were going to come ahead of you. And he, he knew and understood all the, the, the pains and the sufferings of doing life. And then he comes out with this marvelous, marvelous passage of Scripture to tell his people, to tell his children that he wants them to take ease and to rest Almost wants them to do this, if I could say. He almost wants them to do this. He wants them to care for the kingdom because he promises to care for them. And as the disciples or the children of God's kingdom, he calls us to live very differently and with a very different mindset and with a very different heart to how the world operates when it comes to things of life. Because he wants our preoccupation or our worry to be of the things of the kingdom far more greater than the things of this earth. And when it flips around and we get, it, we get the order incorrect, we find life not only becomes a distraction of the things of God, but it can begin to damage the things that we are called to do as well. So to help us, he says, I want you to worry about the right things. And stop worrying about the things you don't need to worry about. Does that make sense? So he gives this passage. And um, there are a few verses that really jump out in this passage. Yes, he gives some very beautiful illustrations that we'll, we'll look at. He talks about the bird and he talks about the lilies. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But he gives some, he gives some very, very sharp teaching that jump out of this passage that I, wanna, I want us to focus on. Uh, for, for a moment. And to help us do that, as I said before, he has just spoken about the rich fool, the person who says, I've got everything in life. In fact, I've got, I haven't got enough room to build my things, so I'm going to tear down the barns. I'm going to build bigger barns so I can fill them up with everything that I've got, and then I can say to my soul, relax. So if you go back and look at verse 15 in that same chapter, I want you to see what Jesus says in this context of the rich fool in verse 15 he said to them take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses this is a really important verse because he says later on in verse 21 and so so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward god because the man who built himself all these things was rich, very rich. 
He had so much that he had to build a bigger place to keep it all. And Jesus wants to point something out. He says, you know what? This is not what rich is. You can have all these things in life and yet you are poor before your creator. You are empty before your creator. And when you face him, you'll have nothing. But he wants us to be aware of something. He goes, I want you to be really careful about covetousness. It's one of those teachings that Jesus gives that is really sharp and in the context we need to understand. He says, I want you to be really careful because your hearts, your hearts are going to want to covet. They're going to want to covet or envy or be greedy of the things that other people have. And you're going to think in your heart, I wish I could have this and I wish I could have more of this and I wish I could have a bit of this and even more of that. And that's where he says you've got to guard your heart from this because this, this place of covetousness is going to give you a false idea of what life's about. It's going to deceive you into thinking that somehow you are better because you have more. Do you get that? And he talks about this like this. He says, one's life. That's what it says in verse 15, yeah? He says, take heed, he says, because one's life does not consist. It's not made up. It's not, it's not the sum of. It's not defined by the things that someone possesses. And so you can have someone that has so much, but that doesn't make that person any better or any more valuable than the person who has nothing. Because Jesus is saying very simply, you're not defined and you're not who you are because of what you have. Very simple. And yet life, like one of those mouse on the wheels, life is, keeps telling you you've got to have more and more and more because this is who you are. You've got to stop. You've got to stop. You're not set up and you're not any more secure because of what you have. And really to keep it simple, I'm going to do one of those things. I'm going to really keep it simple for you this morning. What Jesus is saying here, there is a deception that the more I have, the more I have, I am somehow more significant, I'm somehow more safe, and I'm somehow more satisfied. Make it really three S's. The more I have, that sometimes the perception, the de- sorry, not the perception, the, the deception is that I am more significant, I am more safe, And I'm more satisfied. And I want to challenge those three thoughts this morning quickly. Firstly, the more you have doesn't make you more significant. True? The more you have. The person who turns up in their fancy car and their fancy clothes, I don't look at that person and think, oh, come into our church because we need you in our church. Do I? Oh, what a godly person because look at how much he has. Is that how we think? Of course not. I want to be his mate. He's got the wealth. Of course we don't think like that. The more significant we are has nothing to do with what we have, but that God has made us in his image. That's why we're significant. Every single one of us is made in the image of God, and for that reason, God looks upon us and thinks, you are mine because I have made you in my image. When I see a stranger in the street, I don't look at how much money he has. I look with the eyes that he has made in the image of God. Christian or not Christian. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that our significance had nothing to do in the fact of what we have, but rather that we have been created by the hand 
and, and the love of God. That's what makes us who we are. We're no more safe if we have more money. We're no more safe if we have an abundance. You know, this idea that somehow um, I'm going to be well, very secure and safe because I have a lot more. That can't be further from the truth. Life tells us this. Look around. Life tells you that it doesn't matter how much you have. It can all go in a moment. And this deception that somehow that if we have more, we are more secure and we are more safe, is not, it's not the, the, the heart of God. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs. Listen to this proverb. Very beautiful. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? He's talking about wealth. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings and they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. True? In a moment. In a moment. Your riches can make themselves wings and they can be gone. There is no security. There is no security when we set our hearts on saying we've got to have a certain amount because that's what's going to make us safe. Oh, I'm not saying don't plan. I'm not saying don't plan for your future or plan for retirement. Certainly not suggesting that. But brothers and sisters... We don't need to panic, do we? We don't need to get worked up and panic about these things. God is a God who pours out with generosity upon his people and worries the worry of life that is ought not to captivate our heart is the, is the thing that Jesus is trying to say here. Don't let your heart be troubled in this way. Care and worry about the things of the kingdom and let me care for you. And certainly the last S, if you like, a great, a, a great amount of money, if you like, certainly doesn't satisfy us. Just think about people you know. I've met rich people who are miserable. I know of rich people who are miserable. And I know poor people who are very happy. So we know, just by life's experiences and through the words of Christ... That's not what's going to cut it. In fact, some of you, probably less of you now, but some of you would, may remember a beautiful sister of ours, Sister Helen, who lived and probably passed away maybe eight, nine years ago in her 90s. And she left, she left uh, her home country overseas because of war conditions. And she had to, had to flee, had to flee. And she, her testimony was very simple. I, I, I left everything. I lost everything. I had everything. I have little now. I'm happier now than I was before. When I read the scriptures, I see another definition for happiness. Do you want to hear what it is? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because that's happy. That's what the word blessed means. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. In there you find the secret of happiness. In there you find the secret, if you like, of satisfaction. So there is deception that Jesus is trying to challenge here. And it's really simple. He's saying one's life does not consist of based on the abundance of on which you have. You can see what he's trying to say. 
And then he brings out another challenge, verse 23. And this isn't so much a deception, rather, brothers and sisters. This is more of a distraction in verse 23. He says this. He has life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Now, he doesn't say you can't, you know, you shouldn't have food and you shouldn't have clothing because that would be really unreasonable because we all do life needing food and clothing. That's just what he is, but what it is. But what he's trying to say is this life and its meaning and its true meaning and its true purpose is far greater than just food and clothing. And for some reason, people have become preoccupied with this and it becomes their focus or, dare I say, even their God. And it gets, it all, it gets all twisted. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, life's more than this. Life's more than chasing the next meal or the next fashion of life. It's not what life's about. Let me feed you and clothe you, and you go on and worry about the things that really matter. That's why the story of Israel in the wilderness is so powerful. Because remember that story, our brother made reference to it in, the, in communion today. That beautiful story of when Israel were journeying for 40 years from, from, from Egypt to the promised land. What was their purpose? Their purpose was to get to the promised land. Their purpose was to get to the home where God had for them. And along the way, God said, I'll care for you. You keep your eyes on the promised land. And what happened? They became distracted. All of a sudden, this man is not nice. What's this manna you gave us? We want leek and garlic back in Egypt. And, and all of a sudden, their hearts are drawn to something that they shouldn't be focused and preoccupied with. What are you talking about, garlic and leek in Egypt? You've got a promised land ahead of you. Why are you so focused on the things of food and clothing? So God promised them in the wilderness. He sends them manna on certain days to collect just the right amount. Don't over-collect. Don't over-collect, just the right amount. And he gave them shoes that never wore out for the time they're in the wilderness. And it's such a powerful story because what he, this, what's happening to them is what Jesus is trying to say here. Your life is far greater than the things you're wearing and the things you're eating. Your life has a far greater purpose than just consuming and clothing. Your life's purpose is my kingdom. Stay focused. Worry about the right things. And then in real Jesus fashion, verse, 20, um, uh, verse 25 and 6, he says, And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest, and what he's really just saying here is that there is no value in worrying about the wrong things. There is no value because he's trying to say to them this, you can't guarantee, this is the idea of a cubit to your stature, it's the idea that you are growing or you're getting older. He's, he, he is, you can't guarantee that you're going to add a single day to your life, can you? You can't guarantee yourself of that. He goes, so why are you worrying about the least? Because for God, that's little. That's little for God. You can't do that. There's no value in worrying because no matter how much you worry about these things, there is no guarantee that you're going to add any more days to your life. And yes, we plan 
and yes, we look after ourselves, and yes, we keep ourselves in good health. I'm not talking about these things. But to panic is now another thing. And to worry is now another thing. Is that making sense? So now he gives us two very practical examples, beautiful examples. He first talks about the birds. Um, He says in verse 20... um, Uh, 24, he says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? Remember the story Jesus gave about the sparrows? Just little sparrows. Sold so cheaply, and yet God feeds them. Now, I haven't been to every part of the world, but certainly when I look around in Australia and I look around in Melbourne... I don't often see too many birds die of starvation. They might die of other things. There is this promise, almost this inherent promise, that just like I feed the birds, I will look after you. And that's why the story of the widow in the Old Testament is so powerful, because when she comes to the last jar of oil in her house, and two sons and a husband that passed away, And the creditors were coming to take her sons because she had nothing to pay. She says to Alicia, you've got to help me. You need to help me. So he asks her to act in faith. And he says, you want to trust God for this? Go and get as many jars of oil that you can. Go and step out in faith. Get as many jars of oil as you can. And start filling up using your jar. Start filling up all the jars. And she fills them all up until there's no more jars. Now go sell them and pay off all your debt. Because this is the provision of God. From one jar of oil, all these jars are filled up. Absolutely. Because what God is consistently reminding us is, you have little, but I give much. Worry about the right things. And he, ta- he, uh, he makes reference to the birds for this reason. So that we can continue to find a place of trust. See, when we actually can believe that God feeds the birds, listen, when we believe God feeds the birds and therefore he's reassuring us of his provision in our life, we learn to trust him more and more. But Lord, it's looking pretty shallow at the moment. Okay, I remember the birds. We learn to trust him more and more. Our relationship, Lord, it's looking pretty thin at the moment. I believe in and trust in the birds. Do you know what I mean? Like God is, God, we have little, but God is pouring out much. In fact, let me go a step further. Even with this heart that trusts in the provision of God and keeps our mind focused on the kingdom of God, not only do we learn to trust Him, but we actually become generous. That even sometimes in our abundance, because sometimes we have seasons where we have more, and in our seasons we have little, God teaches us how to still be generous. And I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this. When you've had much, you've given what you can, and when you've had little on your heart, you're still given, because that's the generous spirit. This is where God is always saying to us, trust me, be care about the kingdom, because I will look after you. And so people... people I'm sure, even in this space, have had little and still given because they've trusted. They've seen a brother in need and they've given. They've seen a sister in need and they've given. 
Maybe sometimes even gone out, gone without themselves because they've trusted in the provision of the Lord. That's why when Jesus gave the story of the widow and her two mites and he looked and he saw, see that lady? See that old lady with the two mites and all these rich people who poured into the treasury all their abundance? This lady who puts in the two mites, well, she gave more than them because she gave of her livelihood. She gave in her time of need. She gave in the time when she had not had much. And she gave more than them. That teaches us, when we, when we believe in the provision like this, not only does it give us a rest to trust him, but it gives us a spirit of generosity. You know, sometimes we get so focused on things, we, start, we get so worried about the things and focused on the things of life, we miss the big picture of life. And, and, we, and life becomes one big risk. Because we're trying to, like that mouse again, we're trying to do life and we're missing the big picture of life. A greater purpose than just eating and drinking and, 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 and the things that we do every day. There's a greater purpose called the kingdom of God that you are part of, brothers and sisters, that you have been honoured to be part of. In this time of season of life, these this years that we're living in, God has honoured you to be part of this kingdom. Don't waste it. It's like, seriously, I'll tell you a true story. The other day, I was, my wife and I had to go do some things. Um, we, went, uh, we went out one, the other night, we, and we thought we'd go past the grocery or the supermarket to get some bread and milk. So we went to Woolies, and we stepped into Woolies, and uh, we're about to go get our things, and you hear this, big, this sort of evacuation siren come on. Uh, emergency, emergency, you know. Um, Evacuate the building. And, you know, the first, first few seconds you think, is it real, is it not real? You know, and what's, you're watching around, seeing what people are going to do. But eventually we're getting ushered out. We're getting ushered out of Woolies. And so everyone's, getting, and everyone's sort of standing at the front of Woolies, you know, waiting to see what's going to happen. And I kid you not, this guy comes with his phone, comes like this on his phone, walking into Woolies. <laughs> no sense of what's going on, just walking like this. I said to him, I said, look at that. He's walking into one, going into the, thinking, my goodness. I thought, I've got to use that. That's good. Because that's life, isn't it? Everyone's trying to get out of danger. The risk of, risk of doing life and being caught up in life and the dangers of life. And some people are just so, so unaware because they're just so focused on the things that they shouldn't be doing. And they're going and they're walking into danger. Brothers and sisters, open your eyes. Let's open our eyes. Let's see what's going on. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up uh, in, in, the, in the race of life that uh, brings us and preoccupies us with so, so much worry that we lose sight of tr- life's true meaning. And so Jesus gives us the story of the bird and he tells us the birds and what they do. And then he gives us the story of the flowers. And he says, that, that, the lilies are just so beautiful flowers. And I love, I love the birds and the flowers because everyone sees birds and flowers. You don't have to be anywhere special to see a bird. And you don't have to be anywhere special to see beautiful flowers. Because I tell you what, in my house, some of the weeds that grow in my house are one of the most beautiful weeds. Seriously. I look at them and I think, that's incredible. How can that weed be so beautiful? Purple petals, yellow center. I look and I think, that's a weed. And yet Solomon in all his glory, Solomon we know was the king of Israel, very, very wealthy man who had everything and more. 
And he says that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, was not dressed like one of these lilies. So we get to look at the birds and we think, well, they're not starving. We look at, get to look at the lilies and we think, well, that looks pretty good. That's pretty smick. Because God is reminding us, worry about the right things. Because he says, verse 28, ultimately it's a question of faith. He then says, If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And when it all breaks down, the question is this, will I choose to believe? Will I choose to believe? Will my life, will I allow my life to be so caught up in all these other things and forget that what he's called me to is far greater. Will I choose to believe that if I let go of these things to some extent, yeah, because we have responsibilities. I'm not telling you to let go of your responsibilities. Oh, great. Barry said, don't have to work anymore. That's so cool. I'm not saying that. But when I start letting go of some of these things that cap- capture my heart, make me worry, that preoccupy me, and start focusing on the things of the kingdom, can I trust by matter of faith that he's going to look after me. And that's what he says to finish it up, and I'll finish it up here as well. We've got to be people of the kingdom, brothers and sisters. We've got to be people who are different. We've got to be people who tap into life's true meaning, different to the world and its ways, because we're people who seek the kingdom. That's what preoccupies us. The things that matter to God and the things that matter to our neighbour. The things of the, of the things that are unseen more than the things that are seen. And so he finishes by saying this, first, um, verse 29. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. That's what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. Be different to the world. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. I don't know if I even need to say any more than that. Look after his kingdom. God's promise is he'll look after us. We can rest knowing he's a God who provides. We can trust by faith, and live life the way God calls us to live, the way he designed us to live. And I believe this not only brings rest, but it creates in us a peace, a generosity, a people who become more concerned about the better things of life, the kingdom of God. Let's pray. This morning, brothers and sisters, um, if our hearts have been caught up with all the things that Jesus promises to take care of, let's learn this morning to lean and to trust on him, to put our faith in his promises. Let's draw our hearts and our attentions on the things that matter of eternity Let's not neglect our responsibilities, but let's certainly not find ourselves in a place of panic and despair.
And while we seek life and all the things that are required in life, let us not neglect the kingdom of God. Let us be people who live the kingdom well, who love people well, who love our God with all our hearts. Let's close in prayer together as a fellowship. Father in heaven, we thank you. You're a God who watches over us every single day. You neither sleep nor slumber. You hear our prayers. You see the cry of our hearts. You're a God who provides. Help us to rest in you and to keep our hearts and our minds in your kingdom and what you've called us for in this earth. And everything that we're doing in our workplaces this week and in our families and in our friendship groups, Lord, whatever we're doing, help us to keep our eyes on your kingdom and make this the very thing we seek. Teach us to do this well, Lord. And grant us the faith to rest and trust in what you're doing in our lives. Bless your church and make your face to shine upon them this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.